and they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous that they do. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, 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 zip, boom, bye, boom. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. Hey, I'm Coach Joe. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, Jojo. They've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Gas control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that? Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, how are you? Hey, Shane, I hate to do this to you, but I got to ask, how are you feeling after Tennessee let you down there in the SEC championship game? Oh, Mike, I thought we weren't going to talk basketball. That's why I was trying to be positive, you know? It's a new day. <laughs> it just pays to cheat, Mike, you know? I'm just saying, I saw somebody talking about the other day. They said, uh, you know, you got LSU, coach gets in trouble, gets busted for paying players, and then mm-hmm. they win the SEC, and then... You got Auburn with two assistants winning the uh, SEC championship tournament. And, uh, you know, and, you know, there's going to be an asterisk by it, but, you know, they're celebrating right now. So maybe it does pay to be a little dirty, you know? (laughs) If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, Shane. That's what they say. I don't care what you say. Tennessee and Kentucky were the best two teams in this conference. Besides LSU, I think LSU – had a lot, you know, they had a lot on their plate there. Florida's coming on strong, so I don't want to let them out. Uh, even Auburn's good. Don't get me wrong, because they have beat us twice, so obviously you can't count them out. But I will say this, uh, that Kentucky-Tennessee, that was my championship game. And there will be no banners. I get that, but it was uh, that was such an, such an electric game. Yeah, that was a hell of a game, Shane. That seemed like a uh, Final Four-type game. And my final thought here, unrelated to basketball, we'll get right to the SEC football, but Shane, the AAF, that league we talked about for about a week and then we forgot existed, <laughs> they signed old Johnny Manziel, Shane. He's with the Memphis team, so if we were not already Memphis AAF fans, I think we're diehard AAF fans now, aren't we? Well, I don't know about diehard Mike, because I did hear today that he got cut. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true. He's cut not. already? I don't know if that's true. Maybe he's, I don't know. Maybe he's cutting a line. I don't know. But <laughs> if he, if, I tell you, man, I, I wanted, I want that league to succeed. Don't get me wrong, but I think you were right. We were just fresh off football. They should have waited Mm-hmm. Now would be a good time for them to be kicking off, uh, or even next month or something like that. They, I think they need to adjust their schedule just a bit because right now, I mean, I just I'm not in it. Uh, I'm still, you know, I, I still haven't gotten over the season. Right? Yeah, you got to strike during the the dog days of the summer when all there's on is baseball and all this garbage and hockey. I mean, no yeah. offense to those sports, but. When there's no football and we're dying for football and it's two months away, that's when you kick that that thing off and have their championship game the week before SEC football and NFL football starts. I think, think that would that would bring so much attention to it. Absolutely, man. You don't watch Christmas movies in July, Mike. You just don't do it, you know? <laughs> all right, Chad, enough of all those shenanigans. Let's go around the league. Let's do it. Now let's go around now the league. Around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. You know, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice, so you just uh, get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work. All right, Shane. Let's start off with defending SEC champs. Anytime Tua, you know, gets in front of a microphone, it's kind of a big deal. And now, obviously, with Jalen Hurts, gone to Oklahoma, 
Tua is, you know, the face of that program. He's there's no doubt he's going to be the starting quarterback. Whether there was some doubt last year or not, whether he was going to be, but now, you know, it's without question he's got to step up. And he met with the media here on Monday, and I thought he had some interesting comments, Shane, because while he did tear it up in the SEC, when they were just kicking everybody's ass, I think they got a little complacent. When they finally faced a defense in Clemson that could shut them down, I mean, they really did. So uh, Tua kind of talks about that here in this clip. Reflect on last year. What, what, what are some of the memories? What are the things that stand out when you think about your first year starting? You know, I can't think too much about the good because, you know, a lot of the bad still stands there. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway for me for last year um, would be the things that I didn't correct, you know, throughout the little games, you know, throughout the games where we played teams that, you know, weren't up to our, you know, kind of competition. You know, we kind of made a lot of mistakes and we could get away with it, but, you know, ended up catching up to us. And, you know, I think that's something big that we can, you know, all take from you know, you, as a team. You obviously had a lot of personal success last year, but how much are you kind of focusing on some of those games that didn't go your way, Georgia, Clemson, against mm-hmm. elite defenses mm-hmm. that, that, you know, were, were a struggle at times? Well, I think that's where it comes to play. You know, when it gets you, it gets you, you know, and ended up getting us throughout those times. And, you know, it just wasn't enough time for us to recuperate and try to fix it because they were habits already instilled. So, you know, this is an opportunity for us, you know, throughout spring ball to, to better, get better with that. What did Clemson do that was effective uh, in defending you? Well, I mean, they, they have really good defense. Um, they had a really good front seven. They had really good DBs. Their defense coordinator, I mean, he called a great game. You know, I think the biggest thing is the way they disguised their coverages, how they went about doing things. They made it look like one thing pre-snap and then post-snap was totally different thing so I think they did a really good job throughout that all right Shane so what what was your take the first time you heard Tua in these comments and uh do you agree with what he had to say here you know when Tua talks I always try to pick apart what he's saying you know I want him to mess up but I, I think he's right it's it's hard and to when you get to a game that really matters and like he said you're the the talent he was trying to be nice about it but the talent was always better on that field, you know, when Alabama was playing until they got into a couple of key matchups between Georgia and uh, Clemson. And it caught up to them because, you know, even though they have the greater athletes, when they make those little mistakes, you know, that you don't see it. It doesn't show up on a scoreboard. But when you play a team that's just as good as you, uh, you know, those little mistakes become gaping holes. And that's what we saw, man. I, I think he nailed it. Yeah, and it's really easy to look back and reflect and kind of say we maybe should have seen this coming, Shane. But, you know, I think looking back at that LSU game, the mm-hmm. Alabama won 29-0. The Mississippi State game, the, the, the game the week thereafter, they won 24-0. Alabama's offense didn't really look that good in either game, mm-hmm. and particularly that Mississippi State game. I mean, they scored, I believe they jumped out to a 14 14- to zero lead but then they didn't really do much the rest of the game but we didn't really factor in on that because their defense was so dominant and they shut down those two SEC West teams anytime you get shutouts in the SEC is pretty remarkable but Mm -hmm. had Mississippi State or LSU had a competent offense against them last year I mean I think there's a chance Alabama could have lost an SEC play so you know kind of when you're not playing up to your expectations against an elite defense and it doesn't matter you're still winning 30 to 0 I can see why maybe Clemson picked up on that and knew heck if we score a couple touchdowns here we can beat this team and that's something that uh, Alabama's going to have to work on all all spring to get corrected and and that's what you want to hear from your quarterback too I mean he's not coming out he's not he's not making excuses he's he's identifying the problem and, and, you know, if your head coach, I mean, if your quarterback is your captain is coming out and saying these things that that's that's going to show in practice when they're maybe if they're not practicing as hard as they should. You know, I, I'm hoping that Tua is pulling them aside and say, hey, man, we, we have we got it. We're winning a national championship this year and we can't do it if you're going to half ass it on the field. You know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of presence he needs to have on the field. 
And um, so if, if what he's saying show, is showing up in practice, I, I really think that uh, we may see even more of, uh, I, I think, more of an explosive offense this year. All right, Shane, let's jump to the other team in the state of Alabama, Auburn, who's also starting spring football this week. Gus Malzahn met with the media for the first time since uh, he actually met with them during the pro day. But, you know, that was obviously more about the, the guys leaving the program. He did speak a little bit of this upcoming team, but today was all about that. And front and center in Auburn is the discussion on the quarterback competition. So let's jump to what Gus Malzahn said here. And he had different points of his presser that he talked about. So we're cutting this up a little bit, but he's talking about the quarterback competition, uh, making the quarterbacks live this spring and the importance of experience playing that position in the SEC. Our quarterbacks, uh, we're going to start out spring. We're going to rotate all four guys equally, at least starting out. And uh, we'll see kind of where that goes. You know, no timetable on narrowing things down or naming starters. We're just going to let those guys compete. And uh, it's, an open, it's an open position. And uh, looking forward to, to watching that competition. Will you be, will you be open to the idea of making the quarterbacks live at some point just to kind of see it? It's possible. We have done that in the past. Uh, we'll kind of see where things go and see how guys separate themselves. You know, in the past, if guys really hadn't separated themselves, usually you can find out in a couple, uh, you know, series of going live. But I'm not ready to say that right now, but it is a possibility. What are the challenges of any freshman quarterback being ready to play? As a true yeah, I think the big thing is just the experience factor. Um, you know, because a lot of these guys, you know, you know, they start seven on seven a lot earlier than they used to, and like you said, a lot of them you know, have their own quarterback coaches, and so things are a little bit more accelerated than they used to be at that position. But it, it, the big factor is the experience and getting used to the speed of the game, especially in a conference like ours. All right, Shane. So Auburn has got one of the more interesting quarterback battles. I think in all the SEC because, you know, we know that they got some probably the most outstanding defensive line in the conference. Their secondary, I thought, was strong last year. They always have running backs. They got some good receivers. I mean, they've got a lot of the pieces, but if they don't get a quarterback, and particularly one that fits that system, I don't know what Auburn can do this year. Uh, so what – what was your takeaway from his comments there? I know it's early in spring, but uh, it seems like it's gonna he's going to keep it wide open here. Yeah, and, you know, he mentioned going live with these guys, you know, and sometimes sometimes when you have when you have a couple options at quarterback, some some quarterbacks play better in practice, you know. And so if you go live in, a, in more of a game-type situation, that maybe that's something he's going to do. I mean, he acted like he's not going to rule that out, so – um, but you, I mean, I know we have four right now, but you definitely don't want to go into fall with four. You need to be down to at least two, you know what I'm saying? So there needs to be some sort of separation in spring and, uh, Auburn, you know, out of all the quarterback controversies that are out there right now, Auburn scares me the most just because Gus has always had somebody. You know, to come in, we knew who that guy was. He got all the ones in spring. He got all the ones in fall. There may have been a little bit of back and forth with a couple of them, but it just seems like Gus has always had somebody coming in, and this is the first time that we have no idea and coming off a year that Auburn was not impressed with. So uh, I just – I don't know. There's going to be a lot of pressure at that position, and I'm just curious to see who, who rises to the top. I hope that they narrow this thing down to at least two, though. Now, let me ask you this, Shane. I'll break it down, you know, as briefly as I can. You got junior quarterback Malik Willis, who's more of a dual threat type guy, but all indications are at Auburn. You know, this was his third year in the program. He's never really made that progress. You'd think he'd be the, if he really had, he would be the guy. You got redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood, who looks like Cam Newton. You know, he's a big physical guy. Hell of a runner. He played a little bit in that bowl game against Purdue and looked fantastic, but they were up by like 80 points. So I don't know what you can read into that. (laughs) You got the true freshman, Bo Nix, who's an Auburn Legacies, five-star recruit, All-American. I believe believe it was the Under Armour game. And then they got old Cord Sandberg, who he's basically like a Chris Winkie, Shane. I don't know if you know this guy's story. He played, I believe it was with the Phillies for like four or five years. Baseball didn't work out. He came back to college. He was a Dan Mullen Mississippi State commit. He chose Auburn over Florida. 
So of all, I mean, each of these guys are so different. It's it's very bizarre. It's not like they have a you know one A one B. It's like they can go in any direction, and any direction they go is completely bizarre. Just on the face of that, which one of those guys would, if you're facing Auburn, which one would scare you the most? Do you think? Oh, scare me the most. Um, I think if, uh, well. Probably the like the most scary one would be old Gatewood, right? Because he's mm-hmm. he's he's very big, right? <laughs> I mean, are you talking about? I mean, the dude is is big and fast, and I I don't know. I I think also if I'm Auburn, as much as I, I mean, everybody wants Nick's to work. Let's I mean, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to see the true freshman come in and light this thing up. But I don't think. Especially with Gus against the against the gun here, I don't think he's going to roll out the true freshman. I think he wants to work him in, maybe week four, week week five, something like that. We can get him going because it takes a while to adjust to SEC speed, and yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. That's that's probably the one I'm gonna go out with, and just because he does have uh, the ability to get vertical if he needs to. I think that's the obvious choice there, Shane. And you know I hate to compare this guy to Cam Newton it's an unfair comparison because Cam Newton obviously one of the best quarterbacks to ever throw in a laptop out of the, out of the window of an SEC dorm <laughs> uh, but he was pretty good on the field too but you know you can't really compare anyone to that I mean that's just those are expectations no one can match but I did like how Miles on you know it seemed like he left himself some wiggle room here he definitely noted how these high school quarterbacks more prepared for the college game than ever we just saw it with Trevor Lawrence. We saw it with Tua before that. We saw it with Jalen Hurts before that, Jake Fromm. I mean, these guys are coming in and playing. So, I don't know. This is going to be one heck of a battle here. And uh, I, I honestly think we're going to see Knicks and Gatewood. I think that's going to be what Auburn starts the year with and just kind of lets those guys battle it out on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but you're talking again. You're putting a – Comparing somebody like uh, Trevor uh, to to Knicks is is I think crazy. It's not in day because Clemson had an established offensive line. They have a, a ton of weapons around them. It was an easier transition. And, and if you remember, he didn't even get the starting gig. It took him a while to mm-hmm. get that spot. So you're expecting uh, Knicks to come out and just and light it up when you remember, you know, there was plenty of times Stenham was running for his damn life with the same offensive line that's coming back this year, you know? So, right. um, I, I don't, I don't know if we can make that a fair, I just, I, I hope if Nick's is the future for Auburn, I hope they don't screw this up and throw him out there to the wolves because that's the last thing you need is to rattle him, you know, his rookie year. Yeah. I mean, you can ruin a quarterback playing him too early, you know? Yeah, for sure. You've seen, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go down. There's a long list of people getting, you know, ran out, maybe getting another opportunity at another university, and and, and the next thing you know, they're playing on Sundays, and, and and it all started because they got threw out there way too quick. Final thing here for Auburn, Shane. Gus Malzahn also announced four players out for the spring due to injury issues. Uh, junior defensive tackle Daquan Newkirk. Uh, defensive back Smoke Monday and Jordan Peters and senior receiver Will Hastings who you know Hastings is a weird one remember they tried to get him out on the field last year mm-hmm. and it just didn't never really worked out too well and I don't think he really needs a spring the rest of these guys you know maybe but the two other guys are out but they're not out due to injury Shane I, I really wanted to ask you about these guys uh, their outstanding speed demon receiver Anthony Schwartz and sophomore running back Sean Shivers, both out because they're on the track team. Uh, any loss there with, with two of your big-time playmakers you know, out for track? Do you, do you think that hurts Auburn at all? A little bit, especially Schwartz. It, it's, it's, it felt like he was getting more and more involved last year toward the end of the season, and I think mm-hmm. spring would be very helpful, especially with a new quarterback. Um, <clears throat> but – this is something that Gus and them agreed to when they decided to give him the scholarship. So, um, Anthony, if you don't know, I mean, Schwartz is extremely fast on and off the football field. So he's got some real potential in track and field. So uh, you don't want to hinder that, especially if he's got, you know, the drive for it. But 
Yeah, I think actually he's going to try to go to the Olympics in the next Olympics. Yeah, I mean, so the, you you don't want to you don't want to be the guy that tells him he can't go to that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it does suck because, like I said, there's there's four quarterbacks back there slinging the ball, and we don't know who's going to be, you know, and he's missing out on those reps right now. So that catches up to you, man. And Will Hastings, uh, he's he's senior, right? Man, it seems like he's been down there for eight years. Yeah, and I, he had to redshirt last year because of that knee. Yeah, so he's I, – I don't think they – I think this is just being smart because the last thing you need is to get him hurt. All right, Shane, let's jump to Mississippi State where quarterback Keaton Thompson, he met with the media after one of their recent practices. Uh, now, he didn't say anything incredibly noteworthy here, Shane. I'm going to play these clips, and he's talking about speaking to uh, Nick Fitzgerald there's one important note I wanted to make, but let's play these clips and then we'll discuss it. What did he tell you coming into the spring to prepare you? Oh, nothing, man. It really, to be honest, he kept it short and sweet, and he just told me, you know, uh, it's your team now, and uh, to, to lead them, lead them the right way. How much more comfortable are you in this offense this spring as opposed to just kind of learning it uh, last year? A hundred times more comfortable. I mean, after going through a season and going through a spring in a camp and, uh, you know, knowing how the offense works and, uh, you know, how we game plan and things like that and uh, just the words that we use and, and things like that, uh, it's, it's just a big, big difference. All right, Shane, I don't know if you caught this, but this really struck out to me when Keaton Thompson's talking about the advice Nick Fitzgerald gave him there. And he says, you know, Nick told him it's his team now. And we just had Joe Moorhead recently come out here and say, you know, this while Keaton is, you know, the incumbent, if you will, he's going to give the other guys an opportunity. How much do you factor in, Shane, the fact that the player, if Nick Fitzgerald is saying this, I think the locker room is probably, they're all with it as well, mm-hmm. that Keaton Thompson is the guy. I mean, it, to me, that makes it seem like it. not only are these backups going to have to win over their coaching staff, but they're going to have to win over basically the entire locker room and I just don't know if that can be done in a spring and fall camp what what say you yeah I think this is our guy uh, and I think bouncing around that is ridiculous I, I think he's going to come out and he's going to get the number one snaps and and there's no real story here I don't think there's any quarterback challenge there now I've been I've been wrong before but uh, you know, there's a, there was a lot of times last year I wish Nick would have done this, you know, and just you know at <laughs> halftime so they can get some spark on that offense. But <laughs> but I, I think this is Keaton's ball club, man. Yeah, and that's kind of that's just why I wanted to include this. I think any discussion of a quarterback competition just kind of ended with those comments. All right, Shay, let's jump to Arkansas, where you know again this is another team in spring football, but not a ton of spring news. But I just thought this was really interesting because obviously the Arkansas fan base, you know, while they may not have a great team on the field last year, I mean, these fans are crazy. They love their Razorbacks and they're fully supporting their guys. I mean, we talk about Chad Morris being a great recruiter. These Razorback fans on Twitter, they're they're helping their cause immensely as well. Uh, they back, you know, anyone and everyone that lists Arkansas as a candidate. So uh, you got to give these fans a, a ton of credit here for the work that's being done on the Hill. But one thing that struck out to me, Shane, and I thought that Chad Morris, I don't know if he put this in Dick Starkle's head or not, but I thought uh, the old the head Razorbacks got to love this mentality because if you go to Twitter, Nick Starkle's, you know, his little avatar image is still him in a Texas A&M uniform and one of these Razorback fans says when are you going to change your pick to you know Razorbacks Nick Starkle says not till I earn it and I I, that just kind of it's goes right with the theme of what Arkansas is trying to get there under Chad Morris Shane what were your thoughts when you saw this tweet well I mean he's in Texas A&M gear I mean can he get a picture with a you know Sunday outfit or sweats or something you know like you don't have any picture of yourself on the roll without that jersey on, because if I, you know, as a Tennessee fan, let's just say I we got one from South Carolina, you know, and he's and his avatars uh, him in a South Carolina jersey. Well, you know, no, that's not cool. You know, we're both. You know, I mean, it'd be one thing if he was wearing like a 
Oregon jersey or something like that. But this is somebody we play every single year. So uh, get that. I mean, get it out of there. I mean, you can put throw some sweats on, throw your name on it. You know, go to Walmart. I think you can get a pair for like seven bucks. And then, uh, you know, make you a new Avi, and then uh, everybody's happy there in Arkansas. Yeah, I didn't think about that, Shane. He should have taken it a step further. Just him and the sweats, sweats just and with a Sharpie <laughs> Razorback on it. I mean, that, that would have been perfect. Absolutely. Draw it, you know. Yeah, that would have been great. I'd love it. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump to Georgia, where they have yet to start spring practice. So we don't have a ton of news from Athens here, but what we do have – Georgia sent out a little video. I just thought this was too good not to share. This is their head strength and conditioning coach, Scott Sinclair. This is one of the most respected strength coaches in the nation, Shane. But apparently on game day, he's got himself another job. First of all, I just want to make sure everybody knows that I'm the director of strength and conditioning. I get our players stronger and faster. Because a lot of times people will recognize me and say, oh, you're the guy that pulls Coach Smart back. And I'm like, no, I'm the guy that gets our players bigger, stronger, faster. I happen to do that as well. But that is not my main job. I definitely get my exercise during the games because he is an energetic coach that's nonstop. I don't think I can just grab him and hold him. I think I literally have to grab his pants and his belt to pull him back because he just gets so into the game. Look at Kirby. He's, he's hopping mad. He's, he's coaching hard. But when the ref looks at you and is like, get him back, get him back, I know that's on me to do it because I'm not going to get a penalty. So part of the job, it just goes with it, but uh, it's fun, I guess. You know, preseason work, I do a lot of one-arm rows to, to get to get ready to grab coach. All right, Shane. I mean, George is paying a hell of a lot for a get-back coach here on game days. <laughs> what, what was your feeling, thoughts on this clip? I hate this. I absolutely hate <laughs> this. Is the the I I like when watching George and I see that on the sideline. He's not the only Kirby's not the only coach, but we're talking a grown-ass man can't be told to stay behind a line. You know what I'm saying? And you got somebody yanking on your pants. If anybody's yanking on my pants, I mean, I'm going to make some different choices. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to step on the field if I don't have to. It, it just, this, that drives me nuts. I love what he's doing with the athletes and the strength and conditioning. But, you know, but <laughs> let me say this too. If you're paying me as much as he is, I'll hold Kirby's pants all day long. I ain't going to lie. But, you know, I just think that, I, I don't know, Kurt, I don't understand this. Maybe it's just him. You know, he gets so pumped up, he's ready to get in there and, and fight him. But if people would stop pulling on the back of his pants and he start getting flags, I guarantee he won't do it. It's just like my kid, you know. Mm -hmm. If I tell him not to get in the cookie jar and I catch her in the cookie jar, you know, and she gets in trouble, next time she ain't going to do it, you know. Yeah, that's, that's something I had not thought about, Shane, but I think you, you make a good point. And like you said, it's not unique to Kirby Smart. This is something that we see across the nation. I mean, I've seen Dabo having to be mm -hmm. restrained. I've seen uh, Muschamp. I, I mean, I've seen Ogeron, all these coaches. But, you know, one guy that I've not really seen how to be restrained is old Nick Saban. And he gets fired up, man, but he goes left and right. He don't go up and down. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? He'll go down. He'll yell at the other coaches. And he'll get fired up. And I guarantee there's a few times that he's been on the field. But I guarantee there's also been a few warnings go his way. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the biggest ass he's chewing is his assistance coaches on the on game day. Down there exactly. I mean, look at Spurrier. I mean, you remember how fired up he used to get on the sideline, throwing his visor and everything, throwing papers. Mm -hmm. and But, you know, he, he didn't have another grown man holding his drawers, you know, so he wouldn't go on the field. <laughs> A final thing on Georgia here, Shane. They have announced that uh, homecoming this season will be Kentucky October 19th. And a little side note here for the Wildcat game for Georgia, Shane. Georgia has won nine in a row in this series. If they can get it to 10 this year, that would tie the longest in the history of that series. So uh, that, that's going to be something to watch for sure. Do you know who you usually schedule for homecoming games, Mike? Cupcakes. Right. I mean, if if this is any ammunition to Kentucky, and, and I'm not saying that they got a shot with this game, but I know they got some vocal leaders on that team. This thing, I mean, that is a slap in the face getting scheduled 
uh, as a homecoming team, you know, uh, and it always has been. You know, those are the games you blow out. You're not worried at halftime because you got the girls out there and getting the crown and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It, it's just, I don't know. This this one could be a good game. I still think, you know, at, right now, I mean, it's, it's March 18th, Mike. I, I don't think Kentucky has a shot, but why give them more ammunition? Did they have any other options there? I mean, I don't have the schedule in front of me. Well, I think it was down. It would be down to either that or South Carolina or Missouri, mm. and I think Missouri is going to have a hell of a team this year. South Carolina, we'll see. But yeah, so that one makes makes a little bit of sense there. What What is their schedule, real quick? Can you read it? Yeah, absolutely. So they start on the road at Vanderbilt, first game of the year. That's kind of odd to go on the road. Then they get Murray State Cupcake Homecoming. <laughs> but that's too that's too early for homecoming, I feel like. I think you have yeah. to have homecoming down the stretch there. Okay. Arkansas State's the next one. Notre Dame would be the next one. That'll be a great one. Then they get an off week. They go to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then back-to-back home games, South Carolina and Kentucky. Then they're off. Then they go to Jacksonville to face Florida. Missouri at home, at Auburn, Texas A&M at home, and they finish up at Georgia Tech. Golly. Georgia Tech, then. Is it at home? No, that's at, at, well, at Georgia Tech is basically a home game for Georgia. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe, hell, they had to put it in there then. You know, Shane, before you said cupcake game, you asked me about the homecoming. I was going to say Tennessee, but I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> Thanks, guy. <laughs> All right, so let's jump to Gainesville, Shane, Georgia's main rival here in the SEC East, and – uh, again, we don't have a ton of news here, but we don't want to not include these teams. So we have a little clip here. Uh, so there's, we've got some early spring practice action here from Gainesville. So we're just going to jump to this clip. Practice fast with great speed. Practice smart and great effort and strain in everything we do out here on the field. Get the mind right to attack the day, you get a rep, you attack the rep. That's as hard as you can go, you gotta ask yourself that. That's as hard as I can go. Get out, get out, Reese, get out! Pour up, pour up, pour up! What am I working on to get better technically? I understand the schemes, that's as hard as I can go. Right there, good, let's go! Let's go, there we go, good, lift the knees! Learn to play with strength. Push yourself and ask yourself, is that as hard as that can go every snap? Take advantage of each rep and learn to play at another whole level as a team. All right, Shane, I mean, that's getting me pretty damn fired up. For some- fired up, Mike. They are fired. I love it, man. I, I love it. The hot videos are coming out everywhere. Final thing here with Florida, Shane, they have also set their homecoming matchup, and that's going to be October 5th against Auburn. Golly. And that's a risky one, Shane. They've not beaten Auburn in three straight games. Auburn could be have a really good team. I mean, I think Florida should have a better team, but that's going to be a hell of a matchup right there. All right, real quick, Mike. <laughs> you want to go down their schedule? <laughs> yeah, so? I'm just curious. I mean, <laughs> Auburn, I mean, that's a, pretty, uh, that's a pretty stout team to be putting a homecoming. You don't want to lo- you don't want to lose homecoming, Mike. Right. Uh, okay. So here's Florida's schedule, Shane. They open on mm-hmm. the well. This is in Orlando, so it's not technically on the road, but it's against Miami. Then they get an off week on the second week of the schedule, which is weird. Then they are home for UT Martin. They go to Kentucky. Then they host Tennessee. They host Towson. What 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 day is that? September. September twenty eighth, which. That probably should have been homecoming because next week, October 5th, Auburn, that's what they've selected. Probably should have went with that old Towson game. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, man. (laughs) Then they go back-to-back at LSU, at South Carolina. Then they're off. Then they get Georgia in Jacksonville, as always. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt at home. That would have been another good homecoming one, I think. Uh, At Missouri. Then they're off. And then they host Florida State there in the Swamp. Okay, yeah, I would have went Towson there. I, I don't know what the rules are with homecoming, if it has to be in October. Mm-hmm. But, you know, putting Auburn as that game, I mean, it's a bold move, man. And it's just, like I said, it's ammunition that Auburn can use. 
All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC East here, we got another spring practice clip. This one I think is pretty cool. We got some Jeremy Pruitt uh, dialogue here. So uh, let's jump to this Tennessee spring practice hype reel. Okay. I'm going to tell you, okay, we have competition at every position. Every position. And we're going to change the depth chart every day. Not based off us, based off you. Get it. Because you get what you earn, man. You get what you earn. You go through the motion, that's what you get. And it's called an attitude. Attitude. Light it up. That's like a big hit. That's like a big hit. Not some of the time, but all the time. Right? And it gets contagious. Right? When you do it right, it gets contagious. It gets fun. Physical, guys. Physical football. Why are we waiting on? I said it. Why not us? What are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? All right, Shane. Yeah, like I said, I thought that was a pretty cool one. That was yeah, one worth baby. sharing for sure. I'm sure that gets you fired up for some Tennessee football. Hey, if anything, man, if we suck at football, at least we got some good hot videos coming out, you know? <laughs> like, I think Tennessee – LSU, uh, those are probably the two best right now. I mean, I've seen some other ones. Let's see. Who else makes good hype videos? Georgia? Georgia, South Carolina does yeah. a really good job. And so, yeah. believe it or not, one I think the most underrated in the SEC is Mississippi State. They do a tremendous job of their, their hype videos, I think. Yeah, we need some more hype videos. I love it. All right, Shane, I actually have a little clip here. This is Jeremy Pruitt breaking down the Michigan transfer, former five-star player, Aubrey Solomon, who, remember, he has not technically been cleared to play in 2019. They've got a waiver. They're hoping to get him cleared. It looks like they're going to get him cleared from all indication, but that is yet to be officially ruled on. Uh, so let's jump to this clip, and then I have a question to ask you here about Mr. Solomon. Okay. You know, Aubrey's a, a guy that – has done a really good job in five practices. He's improved every day. Uh, I think, uh, you know, playing the different techniques and learning the different system, uh, he's done a good job. Uh, you know, I think if he continues to, to work, uh, he's obviously going to, the, the more times he does it, he'll have a better understanding of, of our expectations and what we're looking for. So, um, you know, you just got to continue to work this the rest of the spring. All right, Shane. So everybody on Tennessee's defensive line has graduated. They're relying on guys like Emmett Gooden, who, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but he's never started. He's a reserve last year. How screwed is Tennessee up front if Aubrey Solomon does not get his waiver granted? No, man, I think it's a big piece, brother, because we don't have defensive linemen. And the ones we had last year weren't great. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, the thing with the SEC and the defensive line is you have to have the ability to rotate. So it's not just the starters. you got to have some able bodies behind those starters to give them breathers. So um, I, I'm worried, and it seems like everybody else got approved right off the bat. I don't, what's, what's going on? I mean, is there a status here on Aubrey? No, I mean, it's so weird. The NCAA, they just – case-by-case case basis they never give any kind of updates it's they give a ruling and then that's what it is and you never hear why you never hear why not it just kind of comes out but the thing is nowadays I mean they're they're letting everybody and their mother transfer without sitting out so I know he's he's from Georgia so he's getting much closer to home I'm sure they could very easily you know put the case that he needs to be closer to home and that yeah. seems to get that waiver granted more often than not uh, and I so I kinda... and, and and Aubrey didn't capture the headlines like Fields did, you know, or anything like that. So it just right. seems like it, it's, but it's a big deal, and especially I don't know if everybody's getting approval. It seems like you're you're catching yourself in a a, a predicament. You know, there's going to be somebody's going to not be approved, and mm -hmm. there's going to be a lawsuit or something uh, for discriminating. You know, that's just. Yeah. My, my opinion, I think if you're going to do it for some or do it for most, you need to do it for all. So 
And of course, obviously, I want them to play, you know, so maybe we should make a hot video and make them, you know, mainstream so people are realizing that Aubrey's not getting a fair shake, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did want to ask you about this, Shane. So I don't, I don't want to keep it all negative here. Okay. If If he comes down to Tennessee, you know, he was a five-star recruit, I believe, or he was either a five-star or, or a high four-star. Mm-hmm. And I think it's safe to say he didn't technically pan out there at Michigan. I, th- I think he had some injury issues. He he played. He wasn't a bust by any means, but just didn't live up to that billing. If he comes to Tennessee and this coaching staff, you know, takes one of the most high-profile guys from, I think it was the 2017 recruiting class, and makes him like an instant impact player – how much more street cred, if you will, will that give this Tennessee staff in the state of Georgia in high school recruiting? Oh, man, that'd be awesome. But, you know, I was expecting them to do that last year with Emmett. I, I thought that he would be the one that steps up and we hear more of, and we didn't do that. So I don't know, is a year enough? You know, every athlete's different. Every, you know, they grow differently. They, they learn mm-hmm. differently. So um, I think it would definitely – help as far as recruiting out of the state of Georgia. And, uh, you know, the more people you put in the league, the easier it is to get that talent to play for you. So um, there's there's a lot there's a lot of eyes looking at that front four, I'll tell you that. All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC East here with these this little clip marathon we got going on here, we got another one with South Carolina featuring their new running backs coach, Thomas Brown, the guy that wanted to whoop Jeremy Pruitt's ass when they were both on the same <laughs> staff here at Georgia. But, uh, man, this Thomas Brown, he brings a ton of energy to the practice field. So let's uh, jump to this one. Go! Come on, squeeze the ball. Squeeze the ball. Go! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go! Oh, yeah! Go! Violent runs. Violent runs. What is fatigue? What that feel like? I don't know that feeling. Hey, oh, good. That's perfect. That's perfect. Boom. Head it, head it, head it. There you go, there you go, there you go, there you go. Go again. Head it, head it, head it. Ah, right, good job, good job, good job, good job. We got to score, we got to score, we got to score. Ah, there we go. Good job, good job, good job, good job. Is this the guy that wanted to beat Coach Pruitt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd fight him. I don't think I would. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane. Coach Brown, I mean, he brings a ton of energy, obviously. looks like He just looks like he'd be a hell of a guy to play for, don't you think? I, well, I wouldn't want to fight him, you know. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about that. Uh, the, the kid, if you ever get – I mean, obviously the the audio doesn't do it near – I mean, we're going to have this on the Reddit. You're going to put this on the Reddit page, right? Yes, sir. All of these. Okay. And, um, you know, if you look at him, he's – I mean, he is an active coach. I, I, he probably gets 20,000 steps just in practice, Mike. I mean, he is moving around. <laughs> Fitbit is going off with him. So uh, – but I love the energy because if your coaches are pumped up, you're pumped up. And the players get pumped up, great things happen. So uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's what you want, man. You got to have – uh, we we talk about Saban and stuff, you know, and, and his, you know, but you look at you look at who's strength and conditioning. That I mean, that uh, what's his name, the bald guy? Oh, Scott Cochran. Yeah. So you you see Saban, he's not, you know, he's he's. I mean, he's yelling, he's getting at the boys, but you got Scott over there just going crazy. You got to have an ape nuts kind of guy uh, just going nuts over there on the sideline. Because it motivates these kids to get the most out of them in practice. So, uh, Brown's definitely the guy. All right, Shane, final clip here we got. Let's jump to Baton Rouge where LSU, they brought back the big cat. Real quick, know. real quick. If Pruitt and Brown did fight, who would win? <laughs> I think I'd go with old Thomas Brown. I mean, Pruitt I, looks I, like he's put on some weight here. <laughs> I'll tell you, I, as much as I love Pruitt, Pruitt's – I think he can get about 10 on him before Pruitt realizes what's going on. You know what I'm saying? But I think Pruitt would get him like 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 he has a pocket knife or something, you know? And maybe, I don't know. Maybe it'd get ugly. I don't know. I just think I, I wouldn't want to fight Brown. I was just curious what your thoughts were. All right. Sorry. I love my coach, so I'm going to say Coach Pruitt. <laughs> All right. Jumping to Baton Rouge. Uh, final clip we got here, Shane. Big Cat competition drill whatever the hell you want to call it is back in lsu this is something that started under coach les miles that coach orgeron's bringing it back shane 
We got d- big dudes running into each other. I mean, it's football time. I'm ready for it. Let's jump to this one. I mean, it's getting wild oh. down there in Baton Rouge, isn't it? Yeah, buddy. Battle of the trenches. I love it. I love it when the big ones go. Them big linemen. I, I, it's just, it's just. I don't know. It gets you pumped up. It takes you back. And uh, if you get a chance to look at this clip, I really love what LSU does because they take two cameras. So you're watching, uh, you're watching the event up close and you're watching it from afar they're playing at the same time so you get like it's like a 360 degree thing you can watch this whole deal so uh man what an awesome hot video that was yeah and in addition to hype video shane so there was been some practice footage that's come out down here in at baton rouge and my only note on this shane it looks like they're they're truly embracing this new rpo system where they got, you know, quarterbacks rolling out, and then if it's not there, they're throwing it to the wide receivers out wide. I mean, it looks like some vintage Gus Malzahn Auburn offense potentially going to get run here at LSU. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on, on seeing this? I mean, this just seems like it's not, not a bad thing, I don't think. I think it's good that LSU is kind of adjusting to the times. Finally, maybe 10 years too late, but they're finally doing it. Yeah, I Mike, let's just be honest here. I am not a fan of the RPO. I hate watching the RPO. The fake, I I just, I get that's what they're doing. Uh, You know, it's an advantage or or all these teams wouldn't be doing it. But I just, I don't know. I'm I'm such a pro style guy. uh, And even even in the pros, you're seeing more RPO. So it's just everywhere. Um, But Burroughs, or Burroughs, the Burrow is... uh, He's not an RPO guy. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it's like now they find a quarterback and you're switching to an RPO, which I don't know if Burrow can run. Because how many times is Burrow actually going to keep this damn ball? You know, that's the whole point of it is mm-hmm. to uh, to have a run and pass option. If you're, yes, you're giving it to your running back, but if you pull it, I mean, nobody's going to be looking at Burrow and he may get two yards or something like that. He just not an R. He just he's not that type of athlete and i don't know i just i hope it doesn't ruin what it felt like they were moving in the right direction last year and i hope that they uh they cater the game toward burrow not what this guy wants to run on offense does that make sense well yeah but they they ran him they ran him a little bit more down towards the stretch i mean they ran him against ucf did you see this but did you see spring videos yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw it. Uh, I think he's gained twenty pounds, Mike. He's he's bigger. <laughs> he's bigger. Socks th- are still inside out and everything. <laughs> I th- I think it. I think that will work if you know once or twice a game he does keep it, and it makes the defense kind of respect that. Mm-hmm. Now, I see what you're saying. I mean, he's not Jalen Hurts. He's not going to do it very consistently, or maybe not even that effectively, but. I don't know when when they are playing Alabama and these teams and they're just running up the gut and not doing shit offensively. Mm-hmm. I mean they they need to do something. I mean, yeah, they got to they have to mix it up because when when they go up against these elite SEC defenses, I mean it's just it's hard to watch. Well, maybe he wasn't running full speed. I, I you know I don't know, but he he looked pretty damn slow out there, Mike. <laughs> Final thing here on LSU shade, uh, Coach O. Uh, according to reports down there in Baton Rouge, 
he is going to be given an extension. We know we talked about this, it seems like, months ago, but I guess they finally got it worked out. Looks like he is going to get a two-year extension, which takes him to the 2023 season. And he's getting a very slight raise. He was scheduled to make $3.5 million, and now he's scheduled to make $4 million. So $500,000 bonus there each year. Uh, thoughts on that, Shane? I think... Uh, I think this is the perfect move here because you don't you you don't want to you know you don't have to you don't have to throw a bunch of money at Coach O. I mean, no one else is trying to get him, but at the same time, you gotta help your recruiting by making sure your coach has at least four years on his deal. That's that's what this is, Mike. It wasn't about the money; it was about recruiting. And Coach O going in and say, "Hey, I gotta go in here and talk these boys, and I want them to know I'm gonna be here for four years." So (laughs) that's terrible, Coach O impersonation, but. That's exactly what this is. Uh, no college coach, especially in the SEC, SEC, should have a, a contract less than four years. If if you do, you're making it so hard for them on the recruiting trail When because I guarantee all 13 other coaches are saying, hey, look, man, he's only there for two years. They don't want him. you know. So he mm-hmm. wants you to play for him, but you don't even know who's going to be down there. So it, a lot of negative recruiting goes on. So this this is a smart move for LSU. All right, Shane, we've got a little bit of news all around the SEC here. So, obviously, last week was the SEC basketball tournament where all 14 teams go. And school presidents for all 14 apparently met and had a meeting. And I don't I don't know if he was supposed to talk about this or not, but he just said that to hell with it and did it anyway. Mm-hmm. South Carolina President Harris Pastides, he announced that, uh, you know, he met with reporters, what have you, and said that the SEC – at the upcoming spring meetings, that's when they can officially change rules and everything, the way things are set up and what have you. He says they're going to vote on potentially ending divisional, you know, locked-in rivalries. We're talking Alabama, Tennessee, you know, Georgia, Auburn, LSU, Florida, on and on. Uh, I'm going to read this quote. This is uh, from once again South Carolina President Harris Pastides. We voted to continue to study football scheduling. It's a potentially very very divisive issue. We're talking about interdivisional competition that has Texas A&M as our so-called permanent Western rival. Several of us, we'd rather see more rotation, and really, that's for the student-athlete's well-being. We love... We all loved going to Ole Miss last year and seeing that great university and watching our students have an opportunity in their four years at the university to see more SEC peers. There are, of course, SEC programs that have divisional rivalries, Georgia and Auburn, for example, and they don't want to give that one up. (laughs) Tennessee and Alabama, that goes back deep in history, and and they continue that negotiation. I don't know where it will end up, but we're studying it again so, immediate thoughts to you, Shane. I mean, that you can't you can't tell Harris a secret, Mike. I'm telling you, <laughs> Harris can't keep a secret. But I'm telling you, wouldn't you rather play Ole Miss than Texas A&M? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and we're talking about a couple of the rivalries here. Do you remember a while back? I think this may be back in Miles' day. Uh, talking about the Florida LSU, there was a lot of heat coming off that game where they did not want to play every year. Right. So um, I, I I think that that one's out. Okay, Georgia and Auburn. Georgia I mean, Auburn just bitched about having the home and homes and all that stuff. They don't want any part of this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's the case. Tennessee Alabama, little different. Of course Alabama wants it. They've been smoking us for ten years. You know what I'm saying? But how 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 bad does Tennessee want it? You know how how much pull does uh is, is this uh the presidents, or is this the uh, athletic directors? Uh, this was the presidents that met, and at these spring meetings, I believe it's it's obviously the coaches, mm-hmm. and I believe it's the ads and the presidents. So they all they're all down there at the spring meetings, and that's coming up, I believe, next month around you know mid April. That's kind of when they'll decide a lot of these things. But well, something to, something to think about. Tennessee's got a brand new president and an athletic director, so. You know, if if that's the case, don't be surprised if there's not as much interest in that rivalry. So, um, you know, it's heat, it's deep, it's history. I get that, but um, I don't know, man. I, it just feels like something's going to give. And if you got more teams wanting it to to go to a true rotation, 
then I think this may be something that happens. Yeah, and I'd be interested to know, like, what is the vote needed to make this change? Yeah. You know, does it got to be 10 to 4, or has it got to be 11 to 3? I mean, does it just got to be more than half? I don't know, but that's something It seems like we get more and more momentum for this year after year, mm-hmm. and it's it really is sad that teams like Texas A&M and Georgia, they are going to meet this year, but this is 2019 season. A&M's been in the league since 2012, mm-hmm. and they've not yet faced. I mean, that's kind of disgraceful. I mean, it's like – they might as well not even be in the same league. So something has to be done. I'm not sure what is going to happen, but I've got a pretty good feeling that that these you know cross-divisional games will eventually be going away. That doesn't mean that you know Georgia and, and Auburn and Tennessee and Alabama won't meet every year. They're, they may find a way to keep those games, but yeah. I, I still think something is going to change here, and I think we're going to find out here in about a month. Yeah, I do too. And the one other thing Pastidius here noted here, apparently, and the SEC is trying to get the NCAA to change the, the overtime rules, Shane, which they're going to keep them the same. Don't panic because college <laughs> overtime is significantly better than the NFL. We all know that. But what they do want to change, Shane, so this is kind of weird, but they, they want to keep the first four overtimes exactly the same. And if a game were to go to the fifth overtime, Shane, instead of putting the ball at the 25 and, and playing it out like normal, mm-hmm. they would just move the ball to the uh, like two-point conversion line, you know, the two-and-a-half-yard line, mm-hmm. and you would just trade off two-point conversions until somebody makes it and somebody doesn't call it a game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Horrible. Horrible idea. I mean, yeah, it's, what was that? Uh, LSU went to seven. Is that mm-hmm. the record? Seven? I think the record is like eight. Eight. Okay. Maybe, you know, the thing with me is maybe change the, like if you're in overtime, you automatically have to go for two. Mm-hmm. Something like that. If you score or something, you could kick a field goal, but if you score a touchdown, you have to go for two or something. Right. I could see a change like that. But do you realize that if we get, I mean, these guys are going to be exhausted. We're going to go to four overtimes. You know how long it takes to switch from offense to defense. You know, there's usually a commercial in there. There's usually, I mean, it just, it drags on. And if you're just doing one play, could you imagine what happens if they get it eight times in a row? You know, this, this, I mean, this, this, I just don't. And then you're having to change everything. Your offense is coming back out. The defense is coming. They're getting set. There's, there's two minutes before the play even snaps. I just, I, I'm I'm if you're gonna change it, maybe change the kicking, but mm-hmm. don't don't change the format of uh, uh of the you know, trying to get a touchdown or a yeah, I like goal. I like that idea. I think you know, extra points are so automatic, particularly in college. So I mean it makes it makes a ton of sense to just get rid of that in the overtime. I mean, what what the hell is the point of extra point from the mm-hmm. you know, from the ten yard line, what have you? Exactly. And let me ask you this. And, and if you may not even know. I don't know if uh, Harris told all the secrets here, but if uh, <laughs> if they go for if they go for two, um, mm-hmm. if the team let's say you get offense and you're in the fifth overtime mm-hmm. and you score on your two point or you don't score on your two point conversion, mm-hmm. does that mean the other team has the option of kicking a field goal? No, I think they'd have to go for two. And so it's just strictly two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the proposal. Ooh, what about this, Mike? Speeding up the game. Since nobody plays both ways, why don't we do it at the same time, opposite sides of the field, offense versus your number one defense. You know, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you shoot a cannon in the air or firework, you let them go and see what happens, you know? <laughs> I mean, that'd be one way to do it. <laughs> the same time, Mike, the same time. All right, Shane, so we've got – a couple map mailbag questions saved up. These are some really good ones, but this episode went a little bit long, so we are keeping them. Don't worry, we're going to get to your mailbag questions. We got two really good ones here. We're going to save those for our later episode this week, but we do have a review. Yeah, buddy. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart. True, you're a pal and a 
All right, this one uh, comes from A Rot ninety eight seventy six. Great podcast, five stars, best college football podcast out there. I love these guys. Go dog. Well, I love you, buddy, and I appreciate everybody taking the time to hang out with us today, Mike. Uh, especially ones that if you got an iPhone, those re- rating reviews really do help us. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, the mailbag questions coming up uh, later this week. So if you've got a question, uh, tomorrow Mike's going to be posting this on the Reddit page. That's That SEC Podcast on Reddit. Uh, if you've got a mailbag question, be sure to get it in here in the next day or two because uh, we're, we're definitely going to go through those. Yeah, definitely. And like noted earlier, we're going to be sharing the, all the hype videos that we shared today. We'll post those over at the Reddit page. And we are also now on Instagram. So if you what? want to go, if you guys are Instagrammers, you go out there. That SEC podcast, just like the Reddit page, just like the podcast, obviously. Follow us there on on Instagram. We'll be posting the same thing, hype videos, funny things. Uh, the latest thing I got on there, Shane, I don't know if you saw this, the uh, CBS Alabama said that Auburn won the sex tournament over the weekend. What? So I, I, got a, I got a video of that. So if you like weird shit like that, follow us on Instagram. But uh, beyond that, thanks for joining us as always. Thank you, Shane, for joining me. Uh, I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Okay. What is that noise? He's he's riding around the neighborhood on a fucking motorcycle. <laughs> I thought I was losing my mind. I'm like, is that here? No, that's outside my window. All right, got you. Creepy butt. <laughs>